All right, let's get right into it because this is kind of a long interview, but for good reason. Um, I'm going to, this interview is with two students. One's a former student who um, did a very special workshop where they really um, demonstrated a communicative collaboration between industry uh, members like fishermen or management and um, student research projects at the graduate level. So I'll just let them explain. My name is Jocelyn Ranabaum, and I just finished my PhD at the University of Maine, moving on to a position in Alaska with the state. My name is Elizabeth Maxwell. I am a master's student at the University of Maine, studying both marine biology and marine policy. So we're really interested in this, um, in the perceptions of credible science um, from a larger perspective outside of the scientific community. So. Um, we really want to talk about uh, a workshop that we had to talk with stakeholders about what is credible science and um, why it's important to talk about that right now. There was a group of us, there were five graduate students, uh, myself and Liz and uh, Josh Stoll and Karen Pianca and Noah Oppenheim. We got together and decided that we wanted to um, figure out different ways to communicate our science to industry members and then in turn get feedback um, from industry on that research. So we don't have a lot of opportunity within the graduate experience, graduate school experience to um, get feedback outside of um, sort of academia or the scientific uh, community. And all of us are doing research on fisheries or aquaculture, which are very applied. And um, we felt like it was really important to give um, industry the opportunity to sort of take the time to hear what we're actually working on and then have a two-way conversation about what that science means to them and how it could potentially be changed in a way that would make it um, even more usable for for them as either an industry member or a manager. We didn't have any PowerPoint presentations. Everybody had to come up with um, sort of a different way to present their research uh, to these industry members and it was really more about um, communicating and learning to communicate in a much different way than how we're typically trained within the academic setting. We think that universities are really, really great at training scientists to um, communicate their science in a very scientific way, and that's a lot of science <laughs> statements in that sentence. Um, so we think that we are trained very well as scientists and to communicate um, in these very explicit ways that are seen as credible within the scientific community. Um, but oftentimes that type of communication is um, relying really heavily on the deficit model. So it's sort of this really one-way communication and it's um, we as the, as the scientists have this information that we're now going to share with somebody that doesn't have this information. So that's um, sort of filling this uh, void or lack of information. How are the students presenting their research and projects at this workshop? There was quite a bit of variety in how students were able to uh, present either their ideas or their projects or their results depending on how far the student was along in their project. So some of the examples were um, people brought microscopes so they could um, 
be able to center around a microscope and talk to people and actually have them looking at what they were trying to describe. Other students brought maps um, to be able to talk about specific areas and use that as what is called a boundary object to help um, communicate ideas and clarify um, questions. I had a display that had um, uh, images and schematics of the project that I was doing and kind of visually represented um, um, the process that I was going through to be able to do the research and that was really great because um, that, that also served as a way for people to be able to look at and visualize what I was trying to accomplish and then provide me feedback on maybe what they thought would work well or things I could um, do a little bit differently. Some students had actual uh, games that they had designed because one student um, was actually in economics and her project was related to how people value a resource. And so she had a game that was designed to kind of bring that out by using candy as a reward. So people would behave slightly differently depending on how much candy they were getting. So that was fun to see. And then we had um, concurrent roundtable, I guess is the best way to call it, discussion so that um, people could to decide if they wanted to go um, play the economic game um, or if they wanted to go talk to um, someone about their computer simulation and mess around with um, with the simulation that they had brought on their computer. Um, so it was all sort of very much freewheeling free everything. Um, and it wasn't so structured, which, uh, and there was a lot of being up and moving around, which we found to be really helpful in allowing for conversation to happen. And also, um, people didn't get exhausted from listening to talks back to back to back to back um, because even as a scientist going to a conference like listening to multiple talks in a row can be really draining. Um, so it lasted all day but the first part of the morning was focused on the actual research that was happening and in the afternoon we spent um, a few hours talking about how industry views credible science and um, we also got into what it was that um, the stakeholders there, what they wanted to see, um, what types of research they wanted to see happening. So what is credible science? Um, so as a scientific community, we have, um, we have a, a pretty stringent definition of what credible science is. Um, whenever we have given this talk to scientists, um, we give them the opportunity to respond as to what credible science is to them. And a lot of times, um, these one-word responses bring up words like unbiased and peer-reviewed. And within the literature, um, within the scientific literature itself, credible science has been defined um, as information that's been rig rigorously vetted um, through the peer review process. And that's to assure that it's plausible and technically adequate. Um, so we've had a lot of discussions and been thinking about this a lot and we think that maybe society at large and some of the groups that um, our science is geared towards may have different definitions um, or views of credi credible science um, that differ from the scientific community and so Liz and I, if I can speak for you briefly, um, are really interested in how 
to produce, produce science that is um, actually used by stakeholders and by managers and by industry um, because it's seen as credible. What makes for good credibility? When we did a quick um, sort of overview to get an idea of what like fishermen or aquaculturists view as credible science, there was a lot of emphasis on the people involved and the individuals involved in the process, um, more so than how the process is being conducted. Um, when you talk to the fishermen or you talk to the industry members, it's really about more about relationships and who is this person that I'm talking to why are they here? Why are they involved in this research? What are they trying to tell me? And um, is that relatable to me and to my life or to my job or my career? So seeing those kind of, that distinction was really, really interesting. Um, we had from the, from the round table discussions and one of them was, how can you study lobsters if you've never been lobstering before? And I think that the point of that is, how is it that you are going to fully understand what fishermen in the industry are seeing and experiencing if you've never interacted with the resource? Um, so I think that's a really poignant um, comment that came out of uh, those discussions. I was talking to a fisherman and he was actually expressing um, concern and disappointment to me in a research project that had been going on and he was you know making the argument that the the things that the project was focusing on were not the things that he felt were the real priorities or the real top concerns the top things that needed to be addressed and through having this conversation it kind of became clear that they didn't know going in that they needed to focus on those um, concerns. So I made the, you know, kind of made the point to him that when you have a grant, you have to explain what you're going to be researching and what your goals are and what your question is. And you can't always change in the middle of the project and focus on something else because you, you know, laid out this roadmap of what you were going to achieve with this research, and sometimes you're obliged to focus on that area, you know? And he was really surprised by that, and he, um, that kind of made him stop and, and reassess how dissatisfied he was in the process, and I explained that, you know, that he had really great ideas, and that maybe that could be the next grant that they worked on, and if he reached out to um, one of the researchers that maybe they would be, you know, really excited about going off on that, those new ideas for a new project. And um, so that, that's, those are all like really great examples of how we get into a certain way of doing things and, and that process on how and how we're limited is not always conveyed to the other party. And, um, and that's kind of important for, you know, explaining the limitations of, of what we can do and being realistic about what we can do in the amount of time that we have. So what did you two find from your conversations at the workshop? We went through the notes from those conversations and independently of each other, I went through and um, did what's called coding the text to look for 
themes in it. And then Jocelyn also did this and then we compared what our codes were to see how well they matched up. And they actually matched up really nicely. And um, so I'll kind of talk about some, I won't go through each of them in detail, but I'll kind of give you an example from each of the three main themes. So kind of an example of what the groups talked about when they were talking about relationships was um, having this sense of a partnership between the industry and the scientists or the university. And there's been a lot of really great work on including stakeholders in um, designing a project or after a project has been conducted, kind of helping to um, ground truth the results of that project. But the fishermen who were there at the workshop were really interested in having this true sense of partnership where they are actively involved in the entire process of conducting the research project. So not that they're just um, consulted one time and then never talked to again. They wanted to be involved um, in a more continuous way. And obviously that's going to depend on each individual fisherman, right? And, and uh, what their situation is and how um, busy their life is. But there was a real, there was a real desire there to, um, to not just have someone, you know, hey, what do you think about this and this design? And then that fisherman never hear back from the researcher. They wanted to be involved throughout the whole process. Earlier, Jocelyn talked about the uh, kind of traditional approach for science to communicate their results is the deficit model, where you have this one-way communication of information. One of the themes that came out as being important was this overarching um, idea of develop, developing better communication. And an aspect of that was having two-way communication or conversation and really allowing the fishermen to be able to voice their ideas or voice their perspectives and to feel like they were being heard by the scientists. So they have their own um, understanding of the resource and understanding of the environment. and when they feel like they have the opportunity to be able to share that information, that really helps them feel like they're being involved in the process and that their, their ideas are being respected. So that was an important aspect of communication. And then the third theme we saw come out was this idea of relatability, which is explaining how this research is uh, directly going to impact the fishermen themselves. How does it relate to their own life? And um, an important part of that was recognizing that we all have different priorities in what we're doing. So for a scientist, their priority may be producing research articles or um, finishing up research before a grant ends or um, trying to make sure that a graduate student can bring their project to an end. But for fishermen, it's really about how can they, um, how can they ensure that they're going to be able to support their families. And that's related to 
um, actually being able to go fishing and actually being able to have a reliable catch. So it's okay that we have those different priorities and, and different ways of evaluating whether what needs to be done. We just need to understand that those are different priorities. So how we approach um, research projects are going to differ because um, we're hoping to get different things out of them. So. All right, we're going to take a quick music break, and we'll be back with the second half of the interview. relationship and relatability that we pulled out it's not a linear process it's very much a feedback loop and um, the communication is reinforcing the relationships and developing relatable science that is relatable is reinforcing the communication because um, fishermen can understand what it is that scientists are doing because it's within a topic that they're that is important to them or it's in a language that um, they understand because as industry or scientists and industry members are using different different language we communicate things very differently um, and so just having sort of all of these um, processes at play of developing relationships and focusing on communication um, really helps improve the, the science overall and um, and the relationships overall which is the things we've been talking about is not to replace 
the scientific community's definition of credibility. That's not the goal. The, the point is that if you as a scientist walk in and say, look at my wonderfully designed, statistically significant result, um, it may not be accepted by the community for a variety of reasons. But if you're able to be constructive with how you're communicating what you're doing and being willing to listen to the stakeholders and to form a relationship or a partnership with them, then coming in and presenting your results may be better received by that community. One of the big barriers to communication is that as scientists, we are trained to be the expert. People within academia, we are trained for being able to figure out the answer to a question and being able to provide an answer to a question. And sometimes that's a really necessary thing to be able to do. Um, but also, we aren't the only experts. Um, you have people interacting with the resource on a daily basis. And so they um, have their own expertise that sometimes we as scientists are not willing to um, to listen to or accept. And I think that is a big barrier to communication because maybe as scientists we feel the struggle that we need to have the answers um, to some of these really big questions and being willing to say, you know, I don't know what the answer is and I don't know how best to address this, but if I go talk to my fisherman friend and have a conversation about what it is that they're seeing and how is it that this could be addressed because I'm sure that um, those fishermen have been thinking about it, um, especially if it's a really big issue, that they've been thinking about it, how it is that they would address it. Um, but that we as scientists um, are operating on a much different scale than, than fishermen. So they're interacting with the resource at a very, very local um, scale, very fine scale. And typically we tend to think about things at a much larger scale and how does this, um, what is happening at the bigger picture, at least in terms of um, sort of marine resources and the status of the resource, or how do we ensure people are able to exploit the resource. So that mismatch in scale also um, is providing some barriers to communication. I think there's a really nice um, anthropology uh, metaphor in terms of, um, you know, somebody's feeling the trunk of an elephant and somebody's feeling the tail of an elephant and they think that each of those things is the elephant, but really there's a much bigger picture that they're not um, totally seeing, which is the entire elephant with the trunk and the tail and the legs and the, and the body. So there's two more things that um, I think are important to talk about in terms of um, sort of the themes that we found in that um, all of these, there, there's these two really big processes that are happening um, at a scale that are beyond all of us really and um, one of them is transparency and um, I think that this transparency piece came um, at many different levels so industry members were you know wanting the scientific process to be a little bit more transparent but also wanting the management process to be a little bit more transparent um, so there's sort of these varying levels of transparency that are really important um, for us as scientists to contribute to increasing transparency as much as we can and as much as makes sense to us as individuals. Um, 
And then the other really big um, overarching thing that's happening right now is there's a lot of distrust. Um, and it's distrust of the unknown. It's distrust of things that are unfamiliar. It's distrust of the scientific process or of the management process. Um, and I think Liz has some really good thoughts on this distrust piece. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, I, you know, we've given this presentation to a room full of scientists before and trying to encourage them to think about how they engage with people and how they may be able to tweak or improve certain areas of how they're engaging to help um, help convey more credible science. But we always try to add this caveat of sometimes you come across individuals who are just not going to trust you or they're they have some innate distrust of the process of um, the academic community for whatever reason and it's really important to not get discouraged by that but sometimes those people are there and they're they're going to be a challenge to deal with and that's okay um, you know the real kind of hope is to do as much as we can and to make sure that we are conveying our science in a way that is usable um, and trying to make it more accessible to the, to the individuals who are willing to listen and who are interested in forming partnerships and building relationships and having those conversations. So um, really striving to to be transparent in in how we're doing our work and um, to work towards building better communication and being more relatable and having better relationships and everything is is really what we should be um, moving towards with the understanding um, that sometimes it's going to be a real challenge and that doesn't necessarily mean that as a scientist or as a stakeholder that you're doing it wrong. It's just sometimes it is a challenge and that's okay. How are your relationships with fishermen in the state? We have a really great relationship with fishermen's organizations in the state of Maine. And um, they seem to be much more responsive to us because we have a very well established relationship with them. Even though some of the research that we do is controversial or comes out with information that um, could make life harder or more difficult in terms of management for the industry, but they will respond to us and be responsive and support us in ways that um, they haven't been supporting um, other researchers that are doing um, research that is, e you know, equally important um, to them. But that relationship is extremely important, um, and just even having some thread of credibility with them as a person. It's, you know, you, it's difficult. I think that's a really um, important thing to bring up is that it's really difficult to separate the credibility of the science and the credibility of the individual. Um, within society, those two things are very much um, together. So if a, a person is credible, then with their, the information that they are producing and, and saying is credible as well. Um, whereas in the scientific community, we may be able to separate a person's credibility from the type of um, 
you know, research that they are doing. Like maybe I wouldn't go grab a beer with this person, but I think that the research that they're doing is, um, you know, pretty sound and pretty interesting and stellar. If someone like a grad student or a scientist wanted to do a project where they work with fishermen or working on an issue that fishermen or stakeholders care about marine resources, what advice would you give them? Go down to the dock. Um, <laughs> we actually had this question asked of us. <laughs> um, and I think that the first step is find somebody who would be willing out to take you out on a boat. Get on the boat, get on the water, see what it is that fishermen are experiencing day in and day out and view the world through their eyes um, out on the water, hauling lobster traps, hauling long lines, and uh, messing with fish. And don't talk about science, just talk to them about life and what they see and ask a lot of questions about where they are, with, with, what, what is this, what is that? Um, I think, and why is it that you, that you see these things? Um, is extremely important and I think that's the, the very first thing that people should do is try and find somebody to take them out on a boat. Yeah I think we sometimes you know get caught up especially as students we get caught up in the classes that we're taking and you know we're under pressure because we only have a couple of years to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish and it's kind of easy to get tunnel vision but being willing to just stop and and ask some questions and let them explain what they think is happening and let them tell their story because everyone has a story to tell and they everyone that I've ever met is really excited to be able to share those stories and to talk to someone who's interested in listening to them so be willing to listen to what other people are saying and then um, and then figure out how to move forward. So what's next? We're in the process of writing this up right now. Um, so we are close <laughs> um, to having this all written up and sort of spending some more time on the nuances of these different ideas. Um, and we would really, I think we're super excited about this. I know I am. and. Um, it's a really fun thing and we've presented it twice and I've gotten a lot of really amazing feedback from people. Um, it really has resonated um, really well with I think a lot of biophysical scientists working in um, marine resources. The res it's really been received extremely well um, in these presentations. Thank you for uh, agreeing to be interviewed for the Strictly Fisher Up Science Radio Hour. Thank you for having us. Thank you, this has been really fun.